Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, welcome to episode 7 of this Anonymous Podcast. Thank you everyone for tuning in again. I'm in a very, very good mood because I woke up at 5am to check my phone to see that my basketball team, OKC, trainer for Paul George. This is not really relevant to the podcast, but I'm throwing it out there anyway. But yeah, episode 17, austerity. Within the last three, four weeks, I haven't seen this word used so much amongst the media or in and around social media circles. It's been quite remarkable. Obviously, the link is with the general election, which the Conservative Party marginally won, which led them to sign a deal of doom with the DUP. And of course, the absolute catastrophe and travesty that happened with Grenfell Tower a couple of weeks ago. So I've seen a lot of people talk about austerity. I'm quite sceptical, so I believe a lot of people just thrown it out there. They kind of think they know what it means. But just in case, and for people of interest or lack of interest, I think it's good to know the kind of story of austerity within like the UK and the wider world recently, the theory behind it and the kind of the impact it has in a very basic and brief manner, I hope. So what is austerity? Austerity is basically the measures used to combat and eliminate budget deficits. Okay, what is a budget deficit? Okay, the government spends and it earns. So it spends on public services such as NHS and it... um earns money back via taxation, such as income tax, VAT, corporation tax, whatever. The deficit really is when you're spending or borrowing, or etc., more than you actually receive them back. And obviously this is a problem. The measures that austerity takes, which is obviously, as, it's, as I said, is used to combat this, is either spending cuts, so slashing um, expenditure on public services, or increasing taxation, whether it's like up in your VAT, which if those who are old enough to remember, I'm pretty sure VAT used to be 17.5% at one point in the UK, and even 15% if I'm if I'm not mistaken, now it's 20%. So yeah, so yeah, those are the measures that are used in austerity. These measures are quite controversial because, of course, they can reduce um, G- GDP and they can increase um, unemployment. If you don't believe me, ask the Pig Nations. You're probably asking what the hell is the Pig Nations. The Pig Nations, spelled P-I-I-G-S, is Portugal, Italy, Ireland, Greece and Spain. Okay, so austerity. Austerity usually actually reduces the quality of public services. Obviously, if you're providing them less funding than they were before, they have to make cuts so they can't produce at a productive rate as they did before, or at the same rate as they did before. And I'm pretty sure many of us have heard things about, like, how we're seeing the slashes, how the slashes in public services are affecting schools, local councils, which we'll talk about later, the NHS, even the fire brigade, which we're talking about, um, 
which many people have been talking about in the last two weeks with Grenfell Tower, how um, people in the fire in the fire brigade um, sector are saying, obviously, if we had the um, resources, we could have responded much better, which could have helped save lives, which is quite tragic when you think about it. So, yeah, the story of austerity, where should I start? Okay, cool. 2007-2008 financial crash. I'm pretty sure most of us have heard about it, which I hope you probably have. So, yeah, um, a massive disaster. Starting in the US with Lehman Brothers, they they go down the toilet, which 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 causes mayhem, which essentially puts like a $2 trillion black hole in the world economy, which, of course, they have to fill. Um when you're when you're in like when um governments are in crisis, there's the crash. They need they try to stimulate the economy, so they try to pump more money to come into the economy to kind of like balance the balance the wahala, the stress. Wahala is like trouble, stress in Yoruba. I don't know why I put that in, but anyway, the crash causes, as I said, crash causes governments to borrow more and stimulate economies. And if you look at the pig nations, so as I said, Portugal, Ireland, Italy, Greece, and Spain, the e the evil EU, <laughs> which in this day. They kind of they literally force these countries to have like quite regimented austerity measures, and if you look at what's happened to these countries since, it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all. So even in the UK, um, under the Conservative um, government, we've been under austerity, austerity, austerity type measures. Obviously, our economy is not in as bad shapes as those um, those nations. But luckily for us, we have our own central bank, um, the Bank of England. Whereas obviously, if you're part of the EU, you have the European Central Bank. And obviously, we have our own currency, so that kind of helps us. And we had stronger economies in general. So our unemployment rate, for example, right now is 4.7%. And if you look at the pig nation's unemployment in, in Q1, well, that's the first quarter of the year, so January to March, Portugal's unemployment is 10.1%, so quite significantly higher than the UK's. Italy's 11.1%, again, quite significantly higher. Ireland isn't as bad, 6.4%. But if you look at Greece, 22.5%. So one in five people who are able-bodied to work in the working ages are unemployed. One in five. And Spain is not too far behind with 18.75. So these are astronomical rates of unemployment. Imagine that many people not being able to work in your economy. So that's one of the, you know, the detrimental side effects of um, austerity, austerity measures, which are meant to help your economy, say, well, help save your economy, which is quite ironic. So yeah, so we so with austerity you have slashes on government expenditure on public services. If we kind of move it back to the UK, the Tories recently, I say recently, that what two days ago, two three days ago, voted down Labour's um, attempt to re, to kind of reverse reverse the thing because of um, with emergency services um, spending cuts. So as we've heard of Grenfell Tower again, there was like a three hundred million pound cut in. The fire, um, fire, um, fire services, and stuff like that. So obviously, Labour thinking this is ridiculous. I, I personally think this was. I, Labour knew this was going to happen. I think it's just more political capital, which I, which I quite despise. Um, obviously, they tried to reverse these cuts, which I agree with, and they tried to stop the long-term freeze on pay to people in the public sector, which I also agree with. For example, nurses have a one have a pay rise as capped at one percent. If inflation is higher than 1%, which it almost always is, you're essentially losing money year in, year out, which I agree. But obviously, the Tories and the DUP shut that down and they're even cheering about that, which is quite sickening. So yeah, austerity. So if we actually look at the mechanics of it, first one, you take on debt. 
then you pay it off. Simple, right? Nah, it doesn't work. Unfortunately, in this world that we live in, debt is everywhere. We have countries that owe bundles of bundles of debt. For example, if you look to, to um, if you look at countries' debt to, debt to GDP ratio, that's basically how much the country owes to what it actually produces. And we look at the pig nations that I mentioned who are suffering from austerity. Their debt to, to GDP ratio is ridiculous. So Portugal is 123%. Ireland, 117%. Italy, 127%. Greece, a whopping 158%. I think that's second in the, in the world. Spain, 97%, which is not as bad as other countries. And the most in the world is Japan, which is in a, just an awful state, <laughs> 237%. So that is ridiculous. That like Imagine owing 200% more than what you're actually producing. Households have debts. If you look at um, the UK, for example, if you look at UK households households in late 20, 2016, the average UK household had £13,200 worth of uncontrolled debts. What uncontrolled debt is, these are any debts or loan, any debts that are not backed up by underlying asset. So there's nothing that could be used for collateral. So, for example, a mortgage... Is a secured debt because if things go mad, there's an asset that's that could be used as collateral, like the house could be gone. Do you know what I'm saying? Whereas like uncontrolled debts like credit cards, utility bills, or if you live in America, medical bills, those are there's no assets like backing those debts up. So that is a that's pretty bad. And of course, businesses have debt. For example, I saw a tweet today which had a list of all the the, the clubs in Europe with the most debt. So Manchester United were in fact number one, but that's a story for another day. So yeah, there's debt everywhere. As I said, 2008, financial system went bust. It's a two million, two trillion, sorry, hole in the world. Countries spent from like 5% to some 50% of their produce to try to save these banks because these banks were super bloated. And in their opinion, if they failed, everything scatter. Everything is all over Jackie, don't cry, no beg. How to think about this is kind of like to think about things in balance sheets. Okay, I know not everybody listening to this is going to be an accountant, but think of assets versus liabilities. Naturally, you want to have more assets than liabilities that puts you in a more healthy place. So pre-2008, we had loads, even in the boom, we had loads of debt, loads of debt. But the difference is the households, like so that, these are the average people, let's say the UK, they had debt, but their debt was used to kind of balance the books. Balance the, and when I say this, I mean, we all know, well, not we all know, the economics listeners know that the real wages in the UK have been dropping year on year. on year. So that is wages adjusted for inflation. So, and the cost of living are going up and up. So there's this deficit between the money you're taking in and the money that's leaving your bank account. So what's kind of used to bridge that, that, that gap is uncontrolled debts. However, in more in terms of like financial institutions, there was hella debt, but this debt was actually used to make money. Businesses and banks were used were making more money by leveraging up. Okay. What's leveraging up? Okay, think of for like a mortgage, for example. Let's say you have a mortgage and you think that the money, the value of the house is gonna go up to a certain rate, you may take on a bigger mortgage because of the p- potential of making even more money. So that's called leveraging up. 
So that is what obviously banks were doing, and they were eating like crazy. Eating's a, t- a slang term for making money. Banks did this at a crazy rate, and that's why they became to, their balance sheets got bloated and bloated, and that's where you get the term too big to fail because they were just too hench. The problem with austerity is, going back to that balance sheet talk, yeah, we know the liabilities are going up and up and up and up because they're borrowing more, they're leveraging up. But once a crash happens, the assets are becoming less valuable. Like if you look at the what the actual crash was about, which was um, subprime mortgages, these things became, they were essentially junk, but they were getting devalued on an absolute mad one. So your balance sheet. So your if you if you think of a scale, let's say your um, assets or balance or assets and liabilities are the same. You're balanced up. If your assets are going down, and your leverage is going up, you're in a very 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 bad place. You're underwater. So how do people react? Obviously, the cash you get coming in, you want to use it to pay down your debt to sort your balance sheet. You want to get your head over water. You want to service that debt. However. This is not all that good for the economy because think about it. Households are trying to, you know, pay down their debts. Businesses are deleveraging to pay their debts. You're spending less in the economy. So the economy is not going to grow as much because you're spending less. So that's why if you look at, if you look around, interest rates have been low for ages upon ages upon ages. It's because they're trying to encourage people to spend. So if you think of interest rates as like kind of like the price of the price of borrowing, Let's say interest rates are like 85%. You're not going to borrow because to borrow, to invest and do stuff, it's going to cost a a lot of money. But what you want to do is save because you're going to make more money by just saving. If you're getting 85% interest rate, it's a no-brainer. However, if interest rates are less than 0%, what what is the incentive to save? You're not making any money or just parking it there. So naturally, you're more likely to spend the money. So that's kind of like the theology in basic terms to kind of help the economy in this state. Governments, of course, they should be leveraging up to compensate because they want to actually use, um, what's it called, increased spending in the kind of public sector to kind of balance the decreased spending in the private sector. But if you do that, tax revenue drops because obviously... People are spending less, businesses are making less, etc. And the deficit is rising because the government are, of course, also leveraging up. Somebody has to pay this black hole. So you either raise taxes and use this increase in revenue to help balance the books, which is something most governments hate trying to do because once you hear raise taxation, people are, huh? Trump take even more money out of us? You, if you lost your mind, we ain't voting for you. And as I say all the time, politicians' primary objective is to win elections. Or you slash public services, which is a way more easier thing to do because, as we've seen with conservatives, they've won three elections by doing that. 2010, 2015, and they marginally won this one. In fact, they marginally won the first one as well. So yeah, that is what that is actually what happens more often than not in, in the case of austerity. And why this is really, really shoddy is that it can it affects the bottom end of the income spectrum more than let's say the top end. Why do you say this? 
the people at let's say the bottom, let's say the bottom twenty five percent of income earners, are more likely to use public services, more likely to use NHS, more likely to need help from the police, etc. More likely to go to pub, um, public schools. Then maybe people in the upper end of the sector, for example, I even read a story about a certain I can't remember what area it was in London. They're going to get their own private police. And you know these people have private healthcare, so they're less likely to need or require the, the use of public services. So if you're slashing these public services, you're essentially charging the average person in the UK twice for the mistake of the government's and the financial sector, because they're both to blame, and the cheeky bit of the insurance sector, that's a podcast another day, for the financial crash in 2008. Because beforehand, before the boom, where governments were, do, were eating right, the banks were eating right, big businesses were eating right, the average person wasn't. We didn't see this because, as I said, our incomes were not rising. They were, in fact, they were dropping, and we had to use debt. So we're paying them. Then we had to. Are you, they, then they use our taxpayers' money to bail out these banks, and now you're going to use austerity measures, which kind of this is a disadvantage for us, the average person, to balance the books. That's insane. And the worst thing is, it doesn't help the overall economy too tough. We've seen it in the pig nations. It doesn't, and economically, if you look at the incentives it causes. It's not a very good policy by any stretch of the imagination. And I would like to kind of link this even further to the attitude shown to the working class people. Let's use the UK, for example. For some strange reason, not a very strange reason, well, yeah, strange reason, working class people, the UK, even though there's a very big number of them, are kind of demonised. Like, if you look on the TV, if you see, let's say if you're looking at the... TV, TV shows, the news, newspapers. Think about how working class people are depicted. Scroungers, lazy, jobs worths. You have so many different types of shows on people who actually try to finesse the benefit system. When if you look at numbers, that's a very, very unlikely thing. They will depict uh, people, working class, as people who like to commit crime. Look how they're depicted... Um, in the media. So when the stuff like the Grenfell Tower was obviously on fire, which has caused only God knows how many deaths, we're not in my workplace just looking at comments on newspaper articles and seeing a reaction to it. They believe that these people in the towers are unemployed, illegal immigrants, sponge off the system. I'm thinking, bro, just, be- just because you don't have that much money don't mean that you're not a hard worker. You just may have less skills or less opportunities. Some people work in free jobs to put food in their family's table. But the attitudes in this country, especially to working class people, is that they're just bums. And I find it crazy because people originally are voting for governments that if you look at financially, they're not doing much for you as a working class person which I find completely insane. And I think austerity is just kind of another example of the attitude shown to working class. Like, there's different types of measures you could use to battle deficits. You can employ measures that, let's say, there's obviously there's a, there's a drop in demand for stuff. 
So instead of doing measures that make people lose their jobs, you can essentially maybe let's say do something like okay, let's cut hours by twenty percent. So cutting jobs by twenty percent, let's cut hours by twenty percent. But try and maintain salary. So if you cut hours by twenty percent and maintain salary, essentially the working class people are gaining twenty percent more leisure time. So that's a net benefit for them, and they could maybe even spend more, which is great for them. But obviously that's cutting into the pockets of the you know the top dogs. So instead of the quote-unquote elites, big businesses, governments paying for the messes that they really cause, it's the working class people instead. And people try to pretend that it's their fault. They think that, I've heard it so many times, they think the problem with this country is that people are scrounging. No. Globalisation is the problem with the country. In fact, we, don't even have, we even need more migrants in to help us fund public services because we need more people going to be net contributors to tax. It's just insane. The, the, the Grenfell thing has really, really shook me up because, and the censorship as well, right? If you look at the media, you're not really getting many, that, when I say media, I'm talking about Sky News, BBC, etc. On the actual TV, not on their Twitter sites, because the Twitter demographic of readers and listeners or whatever is very different from the newspaper and TV watchers. You're not getting the raw interviews from the people in the towers or the people who live in the communities. So... It's crazy how many people would n- or are not going to know the true extent of what happened. And if we're talking about austerity again with relation to that, I'm not really sure if austerity played a massive part in this um, disaster. Of course, um, the fire services were impacted by austerity. But if we're looking at the actual council in question, um, Kensington Borough, they were running a surplus, for one. They had £10 million to do refurbishments in Grenfell Tower. In fact, I read on the FT, I think it was yesterday, that they changed the cladding f- to aluminium from zinc to s- f- for the sake of, what, 290 grand? And we've seen all over the news how all these buildings are, f- are failing fire tests, the cladding was banned all over all over Europe and the USA. In fact, Fort Hammond said that that type of cladding used in the building was banned here. And I and I, was, and I, and I wrote about this in my blog, disonomics.com forward slash blog. The primary objective of the government is to ensure the safety and well-being of its constituents. It's kind of like being a parent. What would you say a parent's primary objective is? To put food and water and clothing on the back of its children. We've seen stories of uh, a mother left a, a child in a hot car in boiling the, boiling the heat to go shopping or to do her nails or go to a job interview. The child died. We all completely bashed the mother, rightly so, because that's the, the child. we see the child as their responsibility. We want the child's safety is always primary to us. We see it like that, and rightly so. But when it comes to government, we don't really push that same narrative to the same degree because it's the same it's the same it's the same what's it called um, ethos the government was voted for to to act in our best interest so when it's time to spend money even if it's in an austerity environment you still have money to spend and the priority the number one bullet point on the on the whiteboard should be safety measures and maintaining the well-being of people in the UK, and in this case, people in the, in the Grenfell Tower region. 
is completely despicable. So I'm not trying to hate austerity. However, I do believe austerity measures kind of shows, kind of, it's like a symbol for the attitudes to the working class. And in my opinion, it's just completely not right. I'm sure I've probably forgotten a bu- bunch of stuff, but if you want more information, just hit me up. I'm here. DCNomics.com on Twitter. Yeah, just shout me. But thank you for listening again. Um, I'm going to try to do more podcasts more frequently. Shout out. In fact, a special shout out to Complex Studios who are doing a marshal for my podcast. There's been a problem with the volume of our podcast. I know I'm really, really sorry, people. But still, thank you for listening and persevering through the jazz quality. But hopefully this one sounds much better. Thanks to Complex Studio. And the link will be in my description if anyone wants to use them. So big shout out to them. And please, please share this with people in your workplace, your gym, your football club, your uni, your college, the trap, wherever you are. Share them, let them know. This is not because spreading the good news. Please. Follow on SoundCloud. Flip this money, then Please we stack follow it up. on um, Burning bridges, niggas acting up. She on my body um, like iTunes. I'm tied up. Subscribe I ain't on seen iTunes. And yeah, I ain't seen a body bad as hard. I'ma get this money, I'ma grab it up. I've been stacking, I've been stacking. Just wait till I pattern up. Pattern up. Flip this money, then we stack it up. Burning bridges, niggas acting up. She on my body like I'm tied up. Sports Social Podcast Network.